Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and you're listening to episode number 54 of this ongoing podcast series that is for the love of movies. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in each week and hearing what I have to say about movies and cinema. Your, I know I've said this before and I will continue to say it, but your support, your encouragement, your response to this show and more recently to the uh, the spinoff show, though that, that does sound a bit presumptuous, so uh, we'll just uh, refer to it as the other the other show, uh, Let Me Fill You In, it has just been fantastic. And I really appreciate the, the comments and the feedback and just the overall engagement with, with both of these shows. But uh, I said before, this is a passion project for me. It will continue to be a passion project for me. But the, the connections and, and more importantly, the friendships that have been forged because of doing all of this has just been that much more worthwhile and enjoyable. So thank you for engaging with these, with these shows. Thank you for, uh, for tuning in each and every week and truly, and I mean this with all my heart, thank you for your friendship because, uh, certainly these days, uh, it's nice to kind of have a, uh, a retreat, if you will, from the, uh, the day to day headlines. And, And certainly not that we should, uh, necessarily unplug uh entirely but it is nice to sort of have a uh, a brief respite if you will where we can all come together in a community and bond and and chat and and just share our love for for movies films cinema and, and the like so uh i you know raise a i raise a glass to each and every one of you and and just say once more Thank you for tuning in and thank you for being a part of this cinematic journey with me. Now, on that note, uh, speaking of a cinematic journey, today is a is sort of a multi-faceted episode, multi-tiered episode. Uh, part of it, I'm going to be revisiting some of uh, Ari Aster's uh, early films, uh, Hereditary and Midsommar or, or Midsummer, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce it in preparation and anticipation for his new film, which drops actually today. It, it, it uh, debuts, premieres, opens nationwide, and that is Bo is Afraid, which stars one of my all-time favorite actors, Joaquin Phoenix. And the reviews that I have gleamed, and I've really just sort of glanced at the at the headlines here, but it, it is definitely going to be a, a polarizing film. I mean, Seems to be across the board. Everyone is saying Joaquin Phoenix gives his best performance to date, which no surprise there. But uh, this movie is being described as a horror movie. It's being described as a as a comedy. It's being described as a mommy dearest esque uh, film. So th- there's a lot going on, and I'm I, I'm I've been you know anticipating this film for for months now. It's one of my. Uh, my my most anticipated for the year so i'm curious to see just exactly what it is all about because the trailers have really not told us that much and and given of course that it is uh, uh an ari aster film uh you can expect there's going to be some uh some mind-bending uh journeys and and quite uh disturbing and, and unsettling and and all around cinematic twists and turns uh for it but uh i will be covering it 
uh, probably uh, in some detail on on the next episode of Let Me Fill You In. But uh, I thought today this would be a good opportunity to revisit his his first two films, uh, uh, directed by Ari Oster, the uh, Hereditary and uh, Midsummer. But uh, in a, in addition to revisiting these films, because th- they are a trip. I mean, if you have not seen uh, these movies, I. I I put out the disclaimer now. They, uh, they're they not for the faint of heart. And not because they are a, a gory or, or some kind of a... a, a, a uh, yeah, one of necessarily you know, blood and, and, and guts. It's not a, it's not a splatter film. Uh, a splatter film, to say the least, though. One could argue in, 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 in Midsommar there's a, there's a little bit of that. But they're, they're just very... They're psychologically heavy. They are... They're unsettling. They're they're macabre, and and it can be a lot to uh, to take. And I haven't, as I said, I haven't hadn't watched these films for a couple of years. But I thought it was timely to revisit them and, and sort of get uh, get all of my uh, you know, creative juices flowing, if you will, in preparation for his new film. Bo was afraid, but in addition to revisiting these films. I did think of a kind of a, a side tangent for today's episode, and it sort of all ties together well, or at least I hope it ties together well. You could be the judge of that, but it is the uh, it is the theme or the story. Well, it really isn't a story; it's more of a, a continuation, if you will. But that is a, a topic of horror and the Oscars, and. Let that just percolate right now, and and we'll return to it uh, in just a little bit. But just a little a little bit of a of background on on both of these films because they are two different films, Hereditary and and in Midsummer. They're both they're both psychological journeys, and, and kind of in some ways they're 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 polar opposites because they deal with with different themes and they deal with uh different characters but at the same time there is this element of the macabre that runs through both of them and and I and I say that because particularly with uh with with mid uh, with midsummer Astor really described that movie as macabre versus horror and he made an interesting point, which I, I've really latched on to. Horror sometimes can be hard to define. For example, kind of tying into some of the earlier episodes from this month, both Frankenstein and Dracula could be considered horror movies. They're they're in that genre, but they are not necessarily horrifying or or what we in in modern audiences. Would con- you know would consider horrifying just as one of my all-time favorite films of all time, Halloween, by today's standards, is arguably a, a tame film. I mean, I enjoy it. I I love the, uh, the 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 whole spectacle of it. But uh, again, by by everything is sort of of its time, and what may be scary or defined as horror in one era could be considered almost a uh, pedestrian or, or you know family hour style uh, to to another so horror can be uh, can be subjective I mean it's it's a very broad genre and it's a very encompassing genre but 
the idea of the macabre, which is how he described Midsummer, which I think is 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 particularly apt because it really does, in my humble opinion, describe not only that film but hereditary as well. And if you just go off of the definition of macabre, it means disturbing and horrifying because of involvement with or depiction of death and, inju- and injury. And, and that really, I think, paints the uh, the picture, if you will, for both of of, uh, of, of Astor's films and, and what can I, I can only assume will be the case uh, with Bo is Afraid. But both of these, both of his first two films, um, Hereditary, which was a huge box office success, made over $80 million, which was sort of incredible for a small uh, independent film and the time produced by uh, or distributed by A24 uh, kind of you know, before they, you know, Caught fire and are are the big uh, uh, the big uh, the big powerhouse that they are today. This this you know, movie was was really kind of a, a, you know, below the radar and then just sort of just exploded. And I think part of it, I mean, the the story is is very unsettling and and disturbing. But the the main character Annie, portrayed by Tony Collette, is just. Phenomenal. I mean, Tony Collette. I will get to this later on in the segment because I promise it all does does tie together. But Tony Collette really delivered an Oscar-winning, or, or certainly an Oscar-worthy performance with this film, and it's a, it's a crime that she wasn't nominated because for this story, even though it is a a horror film and it has all the elements you know as i said it's very much the macabre but the 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 performance and and really the the backbone of this of this film is a family drama and i think that's something that that astor is very uh very clever with with his films he has these horrifying situations these these sort of unsettling and, and psychologically heavy set pieces or settings or, or, or story elements, but really the the backbone of all of his of all of his you know, his two films and what again I can expect would be the same with Bo is that he he takes the horror elements and sort of layers it through everyday situations. So in the case of Hereditary, what you have at the core of the film is a family drama. You have a daughter, in the case this is Annie, struggling to get over the the, the death of her mother, and through you know sort of grieving and through that process, ultimately discovers a secret about her late mother, and it's one of course that's unsettling and disturbing, and and just sends her off in a in a very uh, uh, shall we say. Uh, unnerving direction with, with with seances and and covens and the like, but but at the core, it's really this story of how a family starts to to come apart, and it all stems from the death of her mother. And and sort of layered throughout the story, we find that there was a lot of issues with with Annie and her mother. They had a very fractured relationship, and yet 
It only was sort of patched up once she became a mother herself. But even then, there was always this this bit of tension. And I mean, just to kind of give you this idea, you know, when I first saw this movie, and it was even clearer again rewatching it uh, for for a second time, even though I I had you know full was fully aware of what was going to occur. The the movie starts off with what you can assume is just a a, a family drama. You know, they're they're coming after the, the, the funeral, the death of, of her mother and trying to, to make sense of the world and you know you sort of think, okay, this is gonna be a, a, a grief uh, a grief filled story about some kind of recovery and maybe that, that will be the journey. Well the film starts off that way and then it, it zigzags very hard uh, with within like the first 30 you know 20 30 minutes of it and right off the top and again spoiler alert if you have not seen this film this would be an opportunity to step away from the podcast and and come back uh so you have been warned but <laughs> to show you just sort of how how uh, much of a of a of a of a Pardon the expression, you know, a, a, a mind fuck uh, that that Astor plays on the audience. You think the story is going one way, and then it goes into a totally different direction. And and the big moment in this film is the the one of the the kids, the the daughter uh, of Annie. She ends up getting killed early on in the film. Now she doesn't just get killed; she gets decapitated because. While she's being driven by her brother and, and suffering a, a, an asthma attack, she puts her head out the window and, and, through the course of a freak accident, ends up getting hit by a telephone pole. And I mean, you can just imagine what what happens next. And I mean, I remember seeing this in a theater. I'm like, dear God, like, you know, what, what movie have I walked into? Or <laughs> because you just aren't expecting that kind of a of a turn. But that's. It, really, the genius I think of, of Astor is he's able to, you know, sort of lock into the audience with sort of basic human story, you know, dealing with with grief, the loss of a loved one, and so you sort of have that that connection, if you will, and it sort of draws you into the characters, it draws you in to the story, and then just when you think it's going one way, it goes in a totally different direction and then of course throughout the course of this of this film you have uh, you have Annie trying to you know communicate with the dead and there's séances and there's this whole uh, whole other worldly <laughs> aspect that just sort of uh, envelops as the film goes on and it, it, it's really a it's one of those films where i i cannot describe it well, I, you you have to to watch it for yourself because you, I sort of say I say these things, you know. People like, no, there's no way that that's happening. But yet, it's it's all right there, and so it's one of those films where you sort of have to almost let your guard down and and just go on the journey and and. Astor's very good at that. He he takes the audience on this journey, whether they want to go or not. I, I will say that. But you you go on a journey and you follow the characters. And I think part of it is, even though the the situation may be over the top or or, or you know, horrifying or or of that genre, 
the characters feel real and grounded because the emotions are are real and and grounded. And so, you know, again, you take the situation of a grieving daughter over her mother and and sort of the stress that puts on a family and and sort of all the tension from it. You've already got a, a captivating element, and that sort of brings the audience along along for the ride. And 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 what I think is so so unique and so you know creative for for Astor is that you know his films you know again they're not necessarily for everybody and that I put that out as a disclaimer because you know he is definitely a uh, an auteur filmmaker he really has a vision and and he and he sticks to it and and I have to respect that because you know sometimes people would maybe you know cater to audience pressures or audiences uh, desires or, or take notes from a studio he doesn't do that he he is very much committed to his his vision ultimately committed to his to his uh to his journey and 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 that's that's something to respect but to tie it into what i mentioned earlier he is able to bring us along because we're invested in the characters and so even though you know in the case of hereditary you've got you know some issues going on in the background that are uncovered because of you know her, her late mother's secrets and and sort of past uh, life, so you, so to speak, or other life, you're ultimately treated to sort of ingenious character studies that that kind of masquerade as as horror films because the characters are so compelling and their situations are so real that once the the fantastical elements and the horrifying elements take hold you've already bought your ticket you're you're there for the ride and and you're willing to to accept whatever is going to be coming along uh with this journey now i have i have to say because i always try to give you guys my uh my 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 take and my my full opinion i i am not a fan when it comes to hereditary i i think tony collette's performance is incredible i think she deserved an Academy Award nomination at the very least. It is a, a powerful performance of watching someone unravel through grief, but yet at the same time discover themselves and discover another side of themselves. I mean, it's it's a powerful, powerful film, and, and she owns it. She owns this role. But sort of roll aside, I, I was not a fan of this film um the first time i saw it i thought it was a little too too heavy uh when it came to the uh the the, the horror elements if you will everyone knows i'm much more uh, much more fan of the slasher films or or in the case of frankenstein or dracula more of the gothic horror uh i'm not always a big fan of the psychological horror or or uh you know introducing uh even a, a, a hint at, at supernatural elements that just that, that just isn't my uh, that isn't my jam. But that's that's okay. Um, but you know, I I wasn't a big fan of this film the first time I saw it, and and I I was sort of I was mixed on it uh, when I when I rewatched it again in preparation for for this show. But. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I still I like I like Astor as a director because he just he commits to what he is he's he's doing. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't soften it. What you see is what you get. And 
as a filmmaker, you have to you have to respect that. That is that is that's what you want. You want that authenticity. And I mean, he has said it. If the audience doesn't like it, fine. He's he's telling the story. He's putting it out there, and then ultimately we can be the judge of it. But he's at least content with what he told and what he what he what he shot on film. But uh, you know, nevertheless, you know, revisiting that film was like, okay, this was this was definitely a, a trip, even more so the second time. But uh, Midsummer, that was the one. You know, initially I was a little hesitant back uh, when this came out in 2019 because I was I was mixed on Hereditary. I said, well, you know, I'll see it, um, uh, and you know, happened to to star Florence Pugh, who was really just sort of emerging at at the at that time and. Uh, I said, "Well, I'll, you know, see it and see what see what it's all about." Again, full disclosure: you go into this film, and it is a it is a trip because, in more ways than one. But this one, I have to say, I enjoy much more than Hereditary. It is still very much leans into the macabre. It is very much a uh, it is very much a, a vacation from hell, if you will. It is a trip into a Swedish cult and and all of the uh, of the of the unsettling machinations that go on at, in this uh, in this particular uh, instance. But nevertheless, the the film itself I found to be much more gripping and much more much more compelling because. The elements in this film, again, there are some, you know, hints at some supernatural uh, aspects, but it, it is by and large a a straightforward film, insofar that what you are seeing is is a is a cult. It, it's not meant to be, you know, masquerading as as, as a ghost story or anything. No, like it, this is uh, people getting indoctrinated into a cult, and there's something unsettling about that because. It really, you know, it, it's real. It, you know, there are there are stories, there are situations you see in the news uh, from time to time, and so there is that that undercurrent that really strikes at the heart of this film that 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 makes it unsettling because there is that element of of realism that that runs through it. But what I picked up on this viewing for it and. And Astor's films are really something that you have to see more than once. I mean, even with Hereditary, I was picking up on different clues and, and hints of foreshadowing that you sort of miss the first time because you're just sort of, you know, starstruck in the worst way about what's happening on screen. But this this particular time watching this one, there's such an interesting sort of background to this film is that it's it's really this sort of you know, kind of story of of, of city meet city meets or, or rural in a lot of ways, or urban meets rural, and sort of all the self assurances that these characters have from the city are ultimately exposed in this sort of primal scream of the uh, of the rural countryside, which just happens to be in Sweden, and it sort of presents nature on the surface as this very Warm and 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 sunshine, and they're out in this field, and it's this great festival that happens every ninety years, and it's, it's a lot of this film is shot and takes place in the daylight, which daylight and horror can be even more unsettling than night, because I mean night we sort of assume 
darkness and and you know things go bump in the night and that's when evil lurks but there's something more almost more unsettling when you have a bright and and lit canvas and then you have all of these horrifying elements going on i mean this is a situation where you know this cult is more or less indoctrinating these group of of students into this into this uh this world if you will and and through you know ritualistic sacrifices and and, and sort of you know, uh, you know prompting one of them uh, in the case of, uh, of of Florence Pugh's character Danny into becoming sort of the uh, the May Queen of, of this whole festival. Uh, it's really unsettling because, like I said, much of the film takes place in the daylight, so it's not like you can kind of hide things in the shadows and smiles can become. Uh, deadly and, and and can be stomach turning just by you know what may even be innocent ultimately becomes uh, uh, insincere and frightening moments moments later and another thing I noticed on this particular uh, uh, watching was that it's really a, a twisted fairy tale uh, the backstory is Danny played by by Florence Pugh loses her mom and dad and sister in what is essentially a murder-suicide. And so she's grieving, she's distraught, and going through the emotions, she has a very strained relationship with her boyfriend. And kind of a way to patch things together, he takes her with him and a few other friends over to Sweden for this this festival that is uh, that is happening. And they've sort of all been invited by one of their one of their friends who happens to be Swedish and they're going to go to this big uh, midsummer festival and it's going to be it's going to be great and you know they're going to sort of use it as a as a cultural study for a, for a college paper and, and, and projects so there's sort of a lot of uh, you know different elements tied into it but you know Danny's really going kind of you know to take her mind off of the grief and try to, to heal in, in a lot of ways but I, I noticed you know, sort of outside of you know, the the you know, the trappings, which kind of reminds me of, of you know, a Grimm's fairy tale uh, or something you know, with the woods and and sort of the the, the bright colors and the unsettling uh, uh, atmosphere. In addition to it, though, you know, it, it does come across as as a fairy tale. Whereas you know, you have like in most fairy tales, uh, the, the the protagonist, in this case, Danny, she's lost her family and, and she has nobody uh, around her but yet ultimately through a journey through a through a, a discovery she is able to find and achieve a, a found family and so again you know, spoiler alert by the end of the film Danny has been fully indoctrinated into this cult and has now become the May Queen of this festival and and despite all the horrific things that happened I mean all of her her friends end up getting sacrificed throughout the course of this of this event and festival. She ultimately is hailed as the queen. She ultimately is propped up in this you know, really unsettling uh, uh, you know, pageantry of flowers and crowns and 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 sort of held up as a as an idol. And yet, you know, despite you know, kind of you know, going through this uh, this grief process. She's ultimately kind of comes out of it by the end of it and, and has 
something that she lost at the beginning, which is a, a family. And so that's where I sort of go off of it. It's like really a, a twisted f- fairy tale, a fairy tale from from hell. And you know she's she's their queen. She's she's the princess. She she receives that 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 adoration and and the and the praise and the love that she's always wanted. As I said, you know, there's that frayed relationship with her boyfriend, and kind of the only reason that they were even staying together was because of the tragedy that happened with her family. And so it, it is sort of this interesting reversal. How you know at the very end. You know, Danny kind of gets what she wants. She gets the love. She gets the acceptance. She gets back the family, even though it is in a very disturbing and, and frankly, perverse way. But going back to what I mentioned about Hereditary, how you know Astrid tries to to tie in, you know, real life elements, real life themes. Grief is certainly a huge element of both films, and certainly with with uh, with, with this film. And I think that's, again, that's something that he really, he latches on to. And you watch Danny through the course of this movie. She's going through the stages of, of grief. She's sort of working out her, her pain. She's working out her suffering. And again, even though you have you know, sort of the background and then the main crux of the story, which is this, this festival that they're at and this cult that they're ultimately being indoctrinated into... There is this sort of personal journey that she is on about trying to to work through her pain, work through her grief, overcome her suffering. And at the very end of this film, after she has been you know, made the, the the May Queen and and is you know held up as this this great uh, you know sort of idol of the of the festival, you know she you know makes this the decision uh, to to sacrifice her her, her boyfriend and. The film ends with this really, un, again, I go back to the macabre, just this unsettling image of of her boyfriend being sacrificed while dressed in the in the skin of a of a bear. Um, by but then cutting back to to Danny, where she is just you know surrounded by by followers, surrounded by worshippers, and she's in this crown of flowers and this cape of flowers, and she's this you know as I said, almost like an idol. And yet she gives this really intense and frankly creepy smile that in a way suggests that she's 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 found peace. Now maybe it's it's a it's a it's a look of pain, but I sort of viewed it as okay, she has she has reached the end of her end of her grief. She has come uh, full circle and, and, and has found something that she has been uh, that <laughs> found something that she has been been looking for and, and this family element which just so happens to be in this uh in this cult and again i I go back to what i mentioned just a just a few moments ago what is so disturbing and i think ultimately effective about this film was that the fact it does take place during the broad daylight and and the film is bright the cinematography is eye-catching and just sort of this 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 village uh where the story unfolds i mean it, it just feels like a a throwback to you know like the wicker man or, or or films of that nature and it's just so it's so interesting to have the the horrific elements captured in 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 broad daylight as opposed to the sort of the uh, the cliched uh, atmosphere of of night and and dusk but i i think that's 
where this movie really shines, uh, for lack of a better word, is that all of the evil, all of the uh, of the macabre, all of the sort of the quote unquote darkness that is happening in here is occurring in plain sight. It's occurring in broad daylight, and then kind of you know shines a light on on you know cults necessarily like you know. We, we sort of think, oh, everything has to take place in shadows or everything has to take place in the darkness. But you get sometimes the most frightening things can happen right in front of us. It can happen right in plain in plain view. And I think that's what this movie, you know, really, really, you know, hits home and, 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 and establishes that, you know, things are things are not always as they seem and, and sort of, you know, you don't have to hide under the uh, under the shadows in order for something to be to be terrifying and, and, and disturbing. But I mean, you figure the, these, the hosts that, you know, welcome in, they're very friendly. Everyone is sort of you know, putting to rest their fears or, or preconceived notions. And then it's sort of, you know, through coercion and subtle manipulation that they're enveloped into this cult. And again, it's all done with smiles. It's done with kind words. And then it's like, boom, it's like quicksand. They, they, they're, they're trapped. And, and it's, I don't know. It's it's really a it's really an interesting film. I mean, it's it's disturbing. There's there's no other way to say it. it's a disturbing movie, and it is not for the faint of heart. Again, if you, these are not your your, uh, your your cup of tea, I would say I would say pass. Maybe maybe try for something else. Um, you know, again, I I probably wouldn't have rewatched this film again, but for uh, prep for Bo is afraid just to kind of get in the uh, the zeitgeist, uh, if you will, the uh, the creative uh, psyche of, of of Ari Aster, because I you know I I do think he is a, a just a brilliant filmmaker, and you know his ability to sort of tap into these these everyday situations and and emotions really make him a compelling director and, and storyteller and I was sort of you know doing some some additional research on this film and one of the reasons he he wrote it what really inspired him to write it was he had gone through a horrific uh breakup of his own prior to making this movie and he sort of channeled all of his disappointments his emotions his frustrations his hurt into this film and so you can kind of see that this movie really does have that element going for it as well. It is it is a breakup film, and you take the character of, of Danny and her and and uh, and her boyfriend uh, named Christian in the film, and, and and again they're sort of only staying together because of because of circumstance, because of a situation, and it's ultimately through the course of the film. I mean, in this case, the cult and and, and what happens to them that the relationship sort of falls apart and, and meets. Uh, it's it's natural end, and so putting aside all of the the, the horrifying elements and, and the, uh, uh, the 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 ritualistic sacrifices, if you will, the the film at its core really can be viewed not only as a as an expose on grief and overcoming uh, tragedy, but it really does serve as a as a breakup movie. We are watching, you know, sort of the the, the eventual breakup. Of these two people, of course, it happens through horrific circumstances. But but putting all that aside, you can sort of view this movie as a, as one long uh, and and frankly painful breakup. And I think that does sort of encompass you know, real life elements where we've all gone through 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 moments of grief. We've had tragedy, or we've uh, been in a relationship that you know we knew was unhealthy. We knew was not 
uh, going anywhere, but ultimately, you know, you sort of stay together through situation, through circumstance, but ultimately it, it, it meets its its end, and it's very painful for both parties, and it's it's sort of a long, drawn-out affair, and I definitely could see what he was going for in this film and sort of, you know, taking those real-life situations and then just instilling them into you know, into the elements or into the workings of a, of a horror film. And I mean, I think that's what's so, so unique about, about this, about this guy as a, as a director is he's able to take those, those elements, those concepts of you know, family drama in the case of hereditary or, um, you know, a, a getaway slash, you know, cover for a cult and, and, and explore the human psychology and, and present it in a way that's, that's both, interesting and, and ultimately frightening i mean ultimately the, these films are are real exposés and, and explorations of of the human psyche and and kind of the the worst recesses and, and and sort of the darkest impulses and sometimes that can be the most frightening thing i mean frankenstein is is disturbing michael myers is certainly frightening but sometimes the 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 horrific elements are or what's going inside, going on inside the individual? What's going on inside uh, a, a family unit? And you know, Astor really shines a light on that. And and you know, he isn't afraid to show the ugly side. So I I, I have to respect him uh, for uh, for that as a as a filmmaker because so much today there's we, we you know you see this softening or, or or don't show too much or or, or try to lighten up and. With with his films, he isn't afraid to uh, to go for uh, to go uh, full throttle and and show you the uh, uh, the dark and underbelly. And you know, I again, I think with again, he's a, he can certainly be a divisive filmmaker. And, and his two films, and certainly his his third one on the way, uh, are are going to be polarizing. But that to me is the best kind of art the the one that challenges us, the one that makes us engage with it. You know, and doesn't doesn't uh, it doesn't have us just sit there and be passive, but actually forces you to to engage with the story and engage with the material before, during, and afterwards. And then, you know, again, you may hate it, you may love it, but but you have that reaction to it, and that I think is is the best kind of kind of art, the one that can be the most controversial, the one that doesn't play it safe, but ultimately gives you something that. That stays with you, you know. Again, for better or for worse, but will stay with you. And these these two films definitely uh, stayed with me and have stayed with me. They're 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 they're, they're compelling uh, for discussion, and, and they're just sort of compelling as as stories in and of in and of themselves. So, you know, this is a long way of saying I am I'm excited to see where, what Bo is afraid uh, has to offer. I mean, given that Joaquin Phoenix. Is in the film uh, that just uh, certainly increases my anticipation and, and piques my and piques my interest even more. But uh, you know, I, I will uh, I will report back next week with uh, my reactions and thoughts on Bo is Afraid. I'm I'm quite sure that uh, like uh, like uh, like his other films, this will there will be a, a needed rewatch or two. But uh, I'll save that for uh, a future episode. All right, now, friends, this brings me to the special comment section of today's episode. This really, this really came together last minute while I was watching Hereditary and and just 
captivated and, 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 and mesmerized by Tony Collette's performance. It got me thinking to how the Academy Awards have largely ignored the horror genre. Now, before people come at me in the comments with, well, well, Silence of the Lamb and The Exorcist noted. Again, there have been some films which have, have garnered Best Picture nominations and, and, and the like, but those are more the exception than the rule. Very few horror films, even in recent years, as the the, the phrase elevated horror has uh, become more uh, more and more mainstream and kind of associated with the genre, the uh, the Academy has not looked too uh, too highly on the genre and. This is more just my my chance uh, to uh, to rant, if you will, on the subject because uh, I, I alluded it, uh, to it a couple months ago, back uh, when uh, when Oscar nominations were were coming out, and I was uh, you know disappointed, uh, not surprised, but still disappointed to see that uh, Maya Goth wasn't uh, at the very least nominated for her performance in Pearl. Um, but that's neither here nor there. The reason I wanted to to use this uh, these these few final moments with today's episode is because I really think it is a shame that the the Academy tends to turn their nose up to to horror films, particularly when it comes to the acting element. Because oddly enough, many of the great performances, uh, certainly many of the great performances that. Uh, I have considered in recent years have actually come from the horror genre. And again, I've mentioned Pearl uh, many, many times before, uh, but certainly Tony Collette in Hereditary. I, I think of Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween 2018. I think of Kiki Palmer most recently in Nope or, or Micah Monroe in It Follows or, or certainly from last year's Watcher. And some of the most mesmerizing and captivating performances have come from from horror films i think what is so fascinating about the genre it's why i i love it it's why i always try to go to them as many as i can and and just have such a reverence for it because you can tell stories you might otherwise not be able to tell you can you can touch controversial elements you can address topics of the day and and sometimes you know again you, you could have a film like say Get Out from from a few years back. It's a wonderful, smart and, and sharp horror film, and, and yet it's dealing with real serious matters of of racism and and prejudice. But is it's presenting it in a way that sort of puts it on an, on an even bigger canvas that it might not otherwise be seen on if the film was told as just say a, a straightforward drama or or, or or something else and I think that's what what shows at, at its core what horror films can achieve they can really be interesting studies they can be interesting exposés they can be examinations on the human condition on the human psyche again I go back to hereditary and midsummer a family drama, a, a, a story of grief, a breakup story. All of those elements can be, can be explored through the prism, through the lens of a horror film. And, and then 
gets you, the audience, to engage, to think about these elements, and then have an emotional response to it. So I, I just sort of you know say this not to go off <laughs> too much on a rant because certainly uh, you know I could really speak for 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 days about this, but it just is a shame that the Academy tends not to recognize these films and these roles you know sort of outside of outside of their genre because in, in many ways these these performances I mean just from what I have named and I haven't even named all of them uh, certainly worthy of, of mention but just to name a few they're they're some of the best out there and it's 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 a really a beautiful thing to watch it's a it's a wonderful expression of of uh, of artistic measure and 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 talent and it's just a shame that the academy doesn't doesn't shine a a brighter light of of recognition on these films again i say this because watching tony collette's performance it's incredible it's it's a master class in in a range of emotions and and she's she's able to do it in a way that that is so believable and grounded it never feels campy it never feels over the top it's 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 that that balance and it's just it's it's why i always tell people watch more horror films because putting aside the macabre putting aside uh, the blood and guts and i get it that's not for everybody but you put all of that aside you can really find engaging and thought-provoking and, and certainly uh, topical and, and controversial films that, that, that can address a wide array of issues and stories and elements while at the same time being a fun, captivating, and engaging movie. I, I'll just leave you with this because this, I think, really makes, makes my point. A film like Jaws, as an example can often be described as a shark movie. And that it is, and a damn good one, too. But in addition to the horror elements, in addition to the suspense, in addition to the thrills, there's actually a very interesting story there. And it's it's not something that is shoved in your face. It's not something that is a... Is is driven home again and again, but it is there, and I and I would, I would tell you to look for it, the next time you watch Jaws, and that is, the real story, the real the real message, if you will, or, or the, the 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 journey in Jaws, is the character, of Chief Brody, who has a fear, a lifelong fear, a childhood fear of drowning, of, of water over the course of the film, over the course of his of his trials with the shark, over his encounters with this beast, through his journey at sea, he is able to overcome his fear of water. So that by the very end of the film, he is swimming back to shore. I just sort of put that out there. Look beyond the surface if you will, and you will find a treasure trove in these films. Horror films, I think, are some of the most interesting and creative movies out there because they can tell stories that, frankly, deserve to and need to be told and might otherwise not be told. And so that, to me, 
makes it a genre that is worth celebrating. It is a genre worth embracing. And yes, it is a genre that should be recognized with all the merits and all the prizes that other films in the industry receive year after year. And that is where I will leave it today. That's the end of my uh, my special comment, if you will. Well, I do hope you have enjoyed today's episode. It was a little uh, uh, discombobulated at points, but there was a theme to it. If you are a fan of of Ari Oster's films, you you will you you may have picked up some uh, some symmetry, if you will. That was sort of the the, the give and take of today's podcast. You think it's going one way, and then it's going. Another, But all of this in preparation for what is sure to be a mind-bending journey with uh, with Bo's Afraid, which I will be seeing this weekend. So uh, definitely we'll be uh, touching base and uh, letting you know my thoughts and reactions to that on the next, uh, next edition of Let Me Fill You In. That'll be dropping on, on Wednesday. But uh, in addition to that, I wanted to prep you for... For next week's show, kind of doing a little, little change of pace. Uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity for a palate cleanser, uh, if you will. There's been a lot of, a lot of horror films, a lot of macabre the last few weeks. Good time to, to do, uh, to do a quick reset. And so I thought next week going to revisit, sort of in honor of there being a new Peter Pan film uh, coming out, going to revisit the Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman. Steven Spielberg film Hook. Uh, it's certainly a, it's a, it's a beloved film. It's a classic film. It's surprisingly uh, and interestingly enough, not one of Steven Spielberg's favorite films. He has uh, spoken uh, poorly of it actually uh, over the years. But poorly, maybe that isn't the right word. But he has not been a fan of this particular film. But I'm going to share with you my thoughts on it and why I do think it is a a special piece of nostalgia and uh, a great. A great entry in the Peter Pan canon. So look for that uh, next week uh, for uh, for a, a timely Peter Pan episode. But that is all I have for you today. I want to thank you as always for tuning in and hearing what I have to say on films. I'll be back next week and we'll do this all over again for the love of movies.